0: Madagascar. For March and April, we were shut down, but God led us to meet a young man. Uh, actually, he was about my age, and uh, him and I just kind of struck it off. He wanted to learn English, and we had nothing but time on our hands because there was a pandemic going on outside, and so I said, well, you can come over to our house, and we'll just meet, and we just had great opportunities to share the gospel, and it took us about, it took him about a year and a half until he finally accepted Christ as his savior. Uh, but a lot of that came through the conversations that we were having at the English uh, exchange. And uh, it was just a, a, an open door that God gave to us. And he just kept on coming back because he wanted the English and I gave him as much English as he, might, as he wanted, uh, and of course, got, uh, gave him the gospel as well. And so it's really a great open door that we have over there. A lot of people are trying to learn English right now. Uh, because it was a French colony before, uh, a lot of the people already speak French, and of course, their language, Malagasy. But English is on the rise throughout the world, and so people are looking to learn English. And I wish we had uh, more time or more hands that we could use. So if you speak English... Uh, you can be used by God in a great way to point people to Jesus Christ. And I can promise you, they will come. Uh, if you speak English, they will come. Uh, I think there's like a commercial like that, right? If you're hungry, they will come. If you speak English, they will come, all right? So come to Madagascar. God can use you. and uh, just be a great opportunity to also see the mission field firsthand and what God is doing over there. If you can't, send your prayers. Please do. Uh, we need them. We have a lot of open doors for us, uh, more open doors that we can walk through right now. Uh, last year, uh, we had a group I'm sorry later earlier in January of this year we had a group come over from Michigan and they were with us for about 10 days we were able to get into two or three public schools and a private school and uh, the one public school had a general assembly for when we were there and again they were looking for English and I said no problem but I want to let you know we're just going to kind of share some stories from the Bible in English and they said great that's exactly what we want. And so for over 500 students, we were able to share the gospel and point them to Jesus Christ again. And so just open doors that we have over there to preach the gospel. And uh, people are open and hungry for the truth. And so pray for us. Uh, If you don't pray for us, then just come on over. And that's okay, too. Uh, But if you don't come over, then just pray for us. Uh, So one or the other, we'd certainly appreciate it. That'd be a great help and a blessing to us. Let's do this, if we could, just for this uh, few minutes this evening. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to go. And uh, Acts chapter 16. I'm going to continue to share some stories about what God's doing in Madagascar. But as we do that, I also want to look through the story here in uh, the book of Acts, and I want to see uh, really a story that has become very, very real to our family as we work and serve in Madagascar. Now, let's just go back in time very quickly here to the the uh, Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are starting out on their second missionary journey, and Remember that at this point in time in Bible history, missions is all brand new. Uh, I I am sure that I am not the first missionary that's ever come through this church, and I'm sure I'm not the very first missionary you've ever met. Missions is something that's been around for a long time. But if we go back about 2,000 years in time, uh, missions was all brand new. Paul and Barnabas already had a great first missionary journey, and that was really uh, a great introduction to missions as they went up into some cities and preached the gospel. They were persecuted, but they also started churches, and people accepted Christ as their Savior. They came back to the church, gave a report of what they were doing. The church was excited. Paul was excited. They launch out into their second missionary journey, and they're going to come into a region called Macedonia. And in Macedonia, there is one city that I think we all know about called Philippi. Uh, It was that city of Philippi that the epistle to the Philippians was written. And Paul and Silas are going to come into this city. And as they are there, and as we walk through the chapter, uh, the book of Acts chapter 16, we're going to find that Paul and Silas meet and deal with three different kinds of people in that city. And here's why this means so much to us. In Madagascar over the last three years, I have seen these three kinds of people there in Madagascar. The same kinds of people that Paul met 2,000 years ago... Are the same kind of people that we met in Madagascar over the last three years, and I would dare say they're the three—they're uh, the same kind of people that you're going to meet and see here uh, in Colorado. And so these people are the people that I want us to consider tonight as we consider our world in the 21st century, and as we really consider our responsibility in preaching the gospel. What is missions? It's just preaching the gospel in another location, uh, maybe to another face, to another person uh, that desperately needs the gospel. It's not anything fancy. Uh, It's just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, we're all missionaries and we need to uh, understand our responsibility in preaching the gospel. So let's look at the stories here in Acts chapter 16 and really consider what Paul and Silas are doing uh, here in this city of Philippi. Verse number 12 is where we're going to begin. The Bible says, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. Whose heart the Lord opened, she, uh, that she attended unto the things which are spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. What an amazing story when we consider what Paul and Silas are doing. They come into this Gentile city of Philippi where the name of Jesus Christ has never been met. And God supernaturally intervenes and leads them at the exact time at to the exact location where a group of women are gathering together to pray. Now what's amazing about this, and my understanding, is they're meeting outside of the city probably because what they're doing in their search and pursuit for the one true God, they're not welcome inside the city of Philippi. They're not welcome with all of their uh, families that are still worshiping idols and false gods and uh, the different Greek gods of their day. And so where can they go to worship safely? Outside the city. And here's a group of women who are searching for the truth. They're looking for the one true God. And Paul and Silas, happen just to come by at the exact moment where uh, that they uh, that they're gathering at the exact place where they're meeting God supernaturally uh, organized this meeting, and as soon as they come, Paul opens his mouth and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they attend it under the things that were spoken of Paul. In other words, they were listening. They wanted to hear what was going on. They wanted to learn about Jesus Christ. They wanted to learn more about his death on the cross. They wanted to know more about his life and his uh, resurrection. And the Bible says in verse 15 uh, that they were baptized, at least Lydia and her household were baptized, which means they believed, they accepted, they received The gospel of Jesus Christ, and then what's so amazing about this whole story is they constrained Paul and Silas to stay in their house. They said, Listen, what you've been telling us about for the last 15, 20, I don't know, two hours that's exactly what we've been looking for our whole lives. We want to know more about this. Please stay with us. And they persuaded them, they convinced them to stay. And we don't know this for sure, but I would dare say that the first church of Philippi was probably started there in the house of Lydia. And the first type of person that Paul and Silas met nearly 2,000 years ago are those who are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, in our world today, there are people still hungry for the gospel, What's amazing about this is Paul and Silas didn't have to spend weeks or months or years trying to build a foundation of faith and who Christ is and go through the entire Old Testament and all the stories. No, they came to people that said, we're looking for truth. They preached the truth and they received it because they were hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus put it this way, the harvest truly is plenteous. Have you ever heard that before? You know what that really means? The world is hungry for the gospel. They're looking for truth. We've already shared a little bit about Madagascar, and uh, we did the food distribution right after the first confinement lifted there in Madagascar, and to be honest with you, it wasn't really a spiritual endeavor. We weren't trying to win people to Christ. We weren't trying to preach the gospel. We were just trying to meet a physical need and get our foot in the community. But God used that, and one young lady or one lady came to us, and she wanted to know about the church. Why? Because she was hungry for truth. About a month after our church got started, there was another younger lady, uh, a mother of just one at that time, uh, that uh, uh, we had met. uh, Somebody in our team had met in the community and just got talking to her. She started coming to our church, and for the next six months, she faithfully attended our church. Uh, She gave birth in January of 2021, I believe it was. Sadly, the baby died, but God used that opportunity to point uh, that lady to Jesus Christ. She has accepted Christ as her Savior, has been baptized, has been discipled, and is faithfully attending our services on a regular basis. Again, somebody that we honestly weren't working that hard to persuade, but she was just coming because she was hungry for truth. I remember after the second confinement, after we did the radio program there in Madagascar, there was another lady that started coming to our church. She had called us right after uh, uh, the confinement lifted. She asked about our services, our times. She said, I'll be there on Sunday. Sure enough, she came. Uh, She just wanted to see what was going on. After the service, she said, that's exactly what I've been looking for. I'll be back next week. She came back the next week and she brought her husband. The week after that, she came back with her three children. And that family has been faithfully attending our church for the last two and a half years. And I say this, uh, this is, these are really stories that we can tell of people that are coming to our church, not really for any great effort that we've made, but just because they're hungry for the truth of the gospel. Our world is full of people who are hungry. Now, I know what you might be thinking, because I've thought this before. Growing up in church and then serving on staff at our sending church for four years, a lot of missionaries would come, by, uh, come through our church, and they would share stories similar to what I just shared with you. And every time they did, I'd always sit in my seat and I would say, that just happens on the mission field. Brother, that just doesn't happen here in the United States. I don't know why you tell us these kind of stories just to get us excited. This is the USA. Maybe you don't know that. It's not the mission field. It's the USA. Well, let me share one last story of something that happened here in the United States. Uh, Probably about 10 years ago while I was working on staff at our sending church, we were out in our community passing out invitations. And I can remember very well seeing a young man. uh, He was 19 years old. I came to find out later. He was in his front yard mowing the lawn. He had his earbuds in and he looked busy. And honestly, I didn't want to bother him. Uh, In New Jersey, when you see a young person that's busy doing something, you try not to bother them because you don't know if they're going to be grouchy or not. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to skip this house and go to the next one. But the Holy Spirit continued to push me and say, no, you need to share an invitation with him. And so I did. I walked up to him, tapped him on his shoulder. He took his earbuds out and I began to give him an invitation to our church and told him who we are, where we are, what we're doing. And I'll never forget what he said to me next. He said, you're not going to believe this. But as I was mowing the lawn right now, I was praying, saying, God, if you're real, send me somebody to tell me more about you. That's a real story, a true story, and I'm not embellishing that in any way. And that happened here in the United States. Actually, it happened in New Jersey, which is worse than the United States. (laughs) People are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we may never know that or see that unless we open our mouth and begin to let them know who we are and what we're doing. Paul and Silas came, they opened their mouths, they preached the gospel, and here a church was born in just a moment's instant. God was working in a great way there in the city of Philippi. In our world today, there are people who are hungry, hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to believe that the harvest is truly plenteous. But notice the second group of people that Paul and Silas meet here. The second group of people that I believe are still in our world today, and that is the group of people that are hurting Look at this short story in verse number 16. We don't know anything else about this young lady, and we don't really know the continuation of the story, but I'm going to maybe add a few ideas. Verse number 16, the Bible says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. I believe she's mocking them. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. What another fascinating story, a short story that most of us, when we read, we probably just skip over and think nothing of. But here we have a story of a real person who was hurting. She was desperately in need of help. A young lady, we don't know, let's say maybe 15, 16 years old. The Bible says she was possessed with a demon. She was possessed with a spirit. She had the gift of susang, which is probably not a gift because here she's controlled or she's being used by some other people uh, for gain. And let me say, what a sad, sad world we have uh, when people will come in and use other people's misery for their own profit. And here's people that are taking advantage of this young lady, and they're using her. And I think of this young lady, let's say she's 15, 16 years old, possessed by a demon. Can you imagine that? She has no control over her mind. She has no control over her emotions. She has no hope. She has no peace. She has no joy. She has no church where she's connected. She has no group where she can go and find help. Her entire life without the gospel is going to be... Completely destroyed. And Paul and Silas passing by look at her and cast out this demon. And in just a moment's notice as well, she finds the hope of Jesus Christ. I don't know this. We don't know this. The Bible doesn't tell us the continuation of the story. But I believe that she was probably the second member of that first church there in Philippi. I believe she found the gospel. I believe she found hope and joy and peace in Jesus Christ. And her life was changed for all of eternity Because she met Jesus Christ. And I think of this short story, and I think of our world today. Our world is still full of people just like this who are hurting. They're just hurting. Here in the United States, we may not see this as much, but I can say in Madagascar, it's a dark place. And as I've already shared a lot, there's a lot of spirit worship there in Madagascar. And uh, I was just sharing with a brother this evening that one of the uh, churches, the bigger church there in Madagascar, has a group of pastors, or at least leaders in the church, that are called the Shepherds. And the shepherds wear all white uh, and they just go from house to house. If there's a, an ailment or if there's a, a problem in your house or a problem going on in your life, you can call one of them and they'll come and they'll cast out demons and they'll cast out devils and they'll pray over you and, and they'll, they'll touch you where you're hurting and they'll cast out whatever demon is you know, uh, possessing you. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure they're actually calling the demons to come and live inside of you. Uh, they're playing with something that just shouldn't be played with. And uh, the people are, are, are just bought into it. They, they're in fear of the spirits that are all around them. I remember several months ago, there was a lady in our church. We hadn't seen for a couple months. And so we wanted to follow up with her and see how she was doing, what's going on. And so we were sitting down talking with her in her house. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, Pastor, you see the window right behind you. The first thing I do every morning when I wake up is I open that window And the very first thing I see that walks by that window is a demon. I can't verify that whether it's true or not. I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I can tell you I tend to believe that's very, very much true. Madagascar is a very dark country, and I believe the people over there are definitely plagued by some kind of demonic activity that happens on a regular basis. Back in August, we had a kid's camp, and just before our kid's camp, we had a young couple in our church call, my wife and I, and they say, can you come by and can you pray for us? We don't know what's going on, but our seven-year-old daughter is completely delirious. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who her mom is. She doesn't know who her dad is. She doesn't know where she is. She's just completely lost it. And so we went by that night, and we were looking at her and just trying to talk to her and trying to see if she knew who we were or she knew who her mom was. And sure enough, she was just completely delirious. And to be honest with you, Pastor, I had no idea what to do in a situation like this. Is it physical? Is it spiritual? What's going on? So we opened the Word of God. We read the Word of God out loud. We prayed together. We asked God to work in places and in ways that we can't see, and we don't know how, because I can tell you we are fighting a battle against the principalities and the powers in the air, the rulers of the air, that we can't see with our eyes. Thankfully, a few days later, they called and said she's doing better. In our world today, people are hurting. They are hurting. I I can remember, again, about a year or two ago, visiting uh, with another man in our church. He had just recently accepted Christ as his Savior. And uh, so just a new believer, learning and growing but him and I went to uh, visit somebody that had lost a loved one, giving our, paying our condolences. And uh, we were there uh, paying our respects. After that, we left. And as we were coming back to our house, right before we walked into our front door, he stopped me and he said, Listen, isn't there something we need to do before we go inside your house? And I stopped for a minute to try to think, What are you talking about? And what is it that we need to do before I can go into my own house? And then I realized, as I shared this morning in Madagascar, they have that ritual that any time you're around death, they firmly believe that a spirit of death is now following you or haunting you. And the way that you protect yourself, the way that you protect your family or your house from any kind of activity like that, any kind of spirit that would haunt you or follow you is you build a fire, you take some paper and you light it on fire right in front of your door and as the smoke rises, you step through the smoke and that smoke becomes a barrier between you and the bad spirits so that you can now safely pass into your house and you don't have to worry about bad things coming inside. And so when I realized what he was talking about, I looked at him and I said, brother, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We don't have to be afraid of these things. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of these demons. We don't have to be afraid of what he can do because we have a great God who protects us and keeps us. Our world is full of people that are hurting. They're being ruined by fear and anxiety and stress. Of course, here in the state of Colorado, we were talking about it a little bit at lunchtime alcohol and addiction and drugs has become something that is really hurting and affecting our communities. And I would dare say if you were to walk up to any person that is involved in something like that, I doubt any one of them would tell you how much they love their life. I'm sure everyone is looking for some kind of solution to get out of it because they're hurting. And what's the solution? The gospel of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Isaiah 61, verse 1. Jesus used it in his ministry when he came. But the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and this, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. That's the responsibility or really the privilege that God has given to us, that we get to be the ones that go to the prison cells of sin and shame and guilt and fear, and we get to be the ones that open the doors and let those people free through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a great uh, opportunity we have to help those who are hurting. Paul and Silas came to this city, and within just days, they help a young lady who had no future, no Uh, hope, no joy, no peace. And in just a moment, she received the peace of Jesus Christ that passes all understanding. I believe in our world today, there are still people just like this that are hurting, desperately in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in our world today, there are those who are hungry. There are those who are hurting. But the last group of people that we see in this story, or at least in this passage, are those who are hopeless those who are hopeless. Look at the end of the chapter. Maybe you already know the story. Paul and Silas uh, cast out the spirit of this, uh, the spirit that was in this young lady. When the owners, the masters of, the, of this young lady came and found her, they were uh, outraged because they just realized they just lost their source of income. And so they cause a riot. They cause an uproar in the city. And all the people get angry with Paul and Silas, remember, for doing something good. And, of course, what happens to them? They're... Beaten and they're sent to prison. But what do they do at midnight that night after they've been uh, beat up, after they've been bruised? What are they doing? Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. What a fascinating story. An earthquake comes, shakes the entire prison cell. Here's a Prison guard that fell asleep on the job. He wakes up out of his stupor, looks down the corridor of the prison. He sees all the doors open, and he assumes immediately that everybody has escaped. And just think about how quickly this situation is taking place. He's trying to figure out what he should do with his life. He knows what may happen to him in the morning when his boss comes, when others find out that all the prisoners have escaped. And so he says to himself, there's no more point to my life. There's no hope. What should I live for? It's all over. And in a moment's notice, he pulls out his sword. And the Bible says he was about to fall on his own sword and end his own life. What a tragic story. We know later in this story, or at least we'll find out, that he's married. He has children. So it's not like he doesn't have anything to live for. He's probably doing okay in life. If he's a prison guard, a Roman soldier, he's probably doing okay financially. He's probably made a name for himself. He's not hurting. He's probably got a pretty good life. But when the crisis came and tragedy struck, he said, there's no more hope. It's over. There's nothing left to live for. And he nearly took his own life. I'll never forget. We've already shared a lot about this this morning and even this evening. But when COVID came to the world, at least in Madagascar, I don't know what it was like here. I will never forget in all of my life looking out into our community there in Madagascar and watching and seeing and listening to the people take every uh, precaution that they possibly could to save their own life. If there was a medicine out there that would save them or help them, they were taking it. If there was something that could uh, prevent the the disease, they were taking it. Of course, they were taking all kinds of measures for their own personal safety, gloves and masks and anything else that you could find. And I finally realized, as I looked and considered what was going on, I realized that our world is hopeless. Especially in Madagascar, where there is not really a great medical uh, field, And for a lot of the people there, they thought that if they got COVID, it was a 50-50 chance. You either live or you die. There's no going to the hospital. There's no getting oxygen. There's no finding medicine. There's no cure. It's just a 50-50 chance. If you get it, you might live and you might die. And so they did everything they could to save their lives. Why? Because they had no hope beyond the grave. I've never seen our world more hopeless than I did in 2020. You know, in 2023, things have gotten a little bit better on the surface where there are no major diseases. At least COVID is not as much a factor as it used to be. And things seem to be a little calm today. But I would dare say sooner or later in your life or in mine, tragedy is going to strike again. The next crisis is just around the corner. And what's amazing is this, when that crisis comes... And when the hopeless world looks to us, hopefully, they'll see a group of people that have hope in Jesus Christ. Paul cried out to this jailer, and he said, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Just as a side note very quickly, there's an amazing miracle that took place in this passage. And it's not the earthquake that shook the prison cell. It's not the fact that every prison door was open. It's not the fact that all of the shackles fell off of the hands and feet of every prisoner. The miracle, the greatest miracle that took place in this passage, is that every prisoner stayed in prison when the doors were wide open. And you know where they all went? Down to Paul and Silas' cell. And Paul said, stop. Don't hurt yourself. We're all Here, And do you know what this hopeless man did when he ran into that prison cell where Paul and Silas was? You know what one question our hopeless world asks those who have hope in Jesus Christ? They ask, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Give me the hope that you have because I don't have it. And do you know the hope that we as believers in Jesus Christ give our hopeless world? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Our world is full of people that are hopeless. And you and I have the hope of eternity. We have the hope of heaven. We have the blessing uh, of heaven. We can't lose. And it's our great responsibility, really, opportunity to share with the world the hope that we have. Let me give you quickly this evening, and we're done, three things that we can do as we consider the types of people in our world. Number one, we need a care. We just need a care. Our world is full of people who are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I believe that tomorrow when we go about our business, whether it's in grocery stores or it's in our place of work or it's in our neighborhood or our community, we just need to care about that person we see because you don't know if he is looking, if she is hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ, <laughs> if we as Christians would just care about the lost world, I dare say we would fill this church up and overflowing with people hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, we need to care. Number two, and quickly, we need to get just a little uncomfortable. You know what? It was probably a little uncomfortable for Paul and Silas to go to a Gentile city and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can dare tell you when they got beat up and sent to prison, they were very, very uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's okay for believers um, from time to time to get a little uncomfortable. Can I be honest with you and share and tell you something? Probably a missionary should never tell you. There's never really a time in my life I'm very comfortable sharing the gospel. Uh, most of the time when I share the gospel, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, but it's okay to get uncomfortable because in our world, there are people hurting and desperately in need of what we have. And so we need to get just a little uncomfortable. And then lastly... We just need to be consistent with our preaching and with our witness. Paul and Silas sang praises to God at midnight, before the crisis ever came, before tragedy ever struck, so that when the crisis came, where did the world go? It went to them. When the earthquake shook the prison cells, all of the prisoners didn't run out the door. They ran back inside the door to Paul and Silas. Why? Because in that short amount of time, They lived a consistent Christian life in the eyes of those who needed the gospel, in the eyes of those who were hopeless. And because of that, not only the jailer, but I believe probably some of those prisoners as well came to know Christ as their Savior. In just a short amount of time, a church was born in a world that's probably a little bit unlike ours, at a time much uh, different than ours today, but with people just like the people we're going to see this week people that are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ, people that are hurting and desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and for sure, people that have no hope beyond the grave. Would you uh, care just a little bit more this week for your neighbors, for your coworkers? Just care a little bit more for their souls, and and would you just share the gospel a little bit more with them? Uh, Would you just get a little uncomfortable this week and just open your mouth and and let them know uh, where you were on Sunday? and what you did this weekend, and where you go to church. Just get a little uncomfortable and see what God does as you do that. And more than anything else, this week and this month and this Christmas season and the year ahead, would you just be consistent? Would you let them know where you're going to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Would you let them know that you're a believer and, and you're not just a Christian on the outside, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're just living a consistent life? I dare say if we all do that just a little bit more, God would use us in a great way. And Pastor, I don't think this, don't think this building could contain any more the people that would come because the world is desperately looking for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I have the answers. Would to God that we would share with them this week, this month, this year, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and we'll close out the service. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the stories that we can read of these first missionaries that went on a missionary journey long, long ago at a time uh, much different than ours today, in a world probably much different than ours, but they met people just like the people that we know and that we see every day in these years. Lord, I believe with all my heart that in this world there are still millions of people hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we keep our mouth closed, Lord, their hunger just grows and they never find the answer. So help us, Lord, to open our mouths. Help us, Lord, to share the gospel. We may not know all the right words, the right answers, but Lord, if we would just share the hope that we have I believe it would make a great difference and people would come to know Christ through that. Help us, Lord, to care. Help us, Lord, to get uncomfortable. Uh, You didn't call us to live a comfortable life. You called us to be ambassadors for you. So help us to do that, Lord. And then, Lord, most importantly, help us just to be consistent in season, out of season. Uh, In the eyes of the world, whether they're watching or not, just help us, Lord, to live a consistent Christian life. Uh, Because sooner or later, the next crisis or tragedy will come. And would to God that our world around us would run to us and say, what must I do to be saved? Help us, Lord, to be ready to give them that answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Use us, God, I ask. Help us to reach this community. Help us to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility. And more than that, it's our privilege to be your missionaries here and around the world. So use us, I ask, I pray. Lord, bless the remainder of our service. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Give us a heart, us a heart for people like God has, right? And God's going to use us. What a what a blessing and challenge tonight. And uh, thank you. The Browns will be here tonight. So uh looks like they're probably headed out tomorrow. So you'd be praying for them. Pray for their safety. they travel, and uh, now you know the Browns that you pray for in Madagascar, and uh, we can uh, be a help to them, and God bless you guys, and uh, God bless you guys, and have a wonderful week. Let's be used by God to tell others about Jesus, and uh, you guys are dismissed. God bless.